Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio. I'm your host, Michael Gordon, and it is Tuesday, sorry, pardon me, it's Thursday, June the 6th, 2013. You're listening to the Mind Whisperer Radio Program. Welcome to the program for tuning in live, and if you're listening to the archive show, uh, good to have you here, and thanks for listening into the uh, program. All of our programs are recorded and uh, available for um, download from iTunes or from here in Blood Talk Radio for a um, archived uh, streaming. And you can go back and find any of the shows. Lots of topics to choose from. And um, we always enjoy hearing your feedback. And um, if you are listening to the show live, of course, you can call in at the number on the website, which is area code 347 Nine four five seven eight nine one. That's three four seven nine four five seven eight nine one. Let's get right to it today. Um, if you're listening to the program for the first time, um, I am a practicing clinical uh, psychotherapist in Vancouver, Canada. I'm also an Aikido uh, teacher and practitioner of 20 years, and of course, uh, hosting this show and uh, speaking publicly and teaching on all of these topics, which I call spiritual psychology for daily life. Today we are exploring the issue of um, really, again, sort of picking up on the theme of uh, what I came up with in a few shows previously about self-responsibility. And today's topic is um, occupy yourself. So that's a riff on uh, the Occupy movement, which is all about, uh, you know, Occupy Wall Street is where it started, and then there were several incarnations of that afterwards that people picked up on. The idea being that, um, again, taking responsibility for the change that we want to see, um, and in a way, sort of claiming what's ours, if you if you will, and in, in the sorts of not in the sense of entitlement, but in the sense of you know what's due us as a society and what's been denied us as the 99 percent. Uh, again, borrowing from the Occupy movement. But, you know, from a different point of view, and again, to paraphrase from from uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, in the title of this program, I used a quote attributed to Gandhi, which says, you, you have to be the change that you seek in the world. So what does that mean? Well, you know, Gandhi was a obviously a profoundly influential spiritual and political leader, social leader in India, um, still under uh, strong imperial rule by um, Great Britain. And rather than calling people to arms in, you know, in an insurgency or guerrilla warfare, what Gandhi did was 
really from the from an inner perspective and a, and a cultural practice point of view sought to uh, inspire through his own actions and his own uh, dedication and commitment to his lifestyle I, I'm, I'm hesitant to even call it a lifestyle but his own practices and his own discipline to return to really a more simple means peaceful non-material um and by non-material we mean i guess spiritual um non-harming manner of being in the world and um you know so the famous images of gandhi we see him wearing a very simple loincloth and walking around with a staff or wearing just a simple robe what would look like a toga to us um but essentially, you know, conducting himself as a as a monk. Um, and this was not in any sense of becoming, you know, a holy person. Or, you know, Gandhi was quite politically outspoken. But he was inspiring uh, Indians uh, to return to their core values, and spiritual values, and and um, you know, ecological and social values, really about being in harmony with um, the earth and um, to, again, relinquish this sort of materialistic relationship to the world that the world is there for us to exploit for our personal gratification and instead to come back to the simple means um, and, um, you know, a way more humble lifestyle, you know, spinning your own yarn or cotton, making your own clothes, um, harvesting your own food, and his most famous action probably was um, the, what led to and was eventually became known as the Great Salt March, which was essentially Gandhi walking um, towards uh, the ocean um, in protest of uh, the foreign imperial ownership of uh, the salt mines in India and that um, Indians were paying uh, a high fee, relatively speaking, for... Um, salt, which is something you know that was an, an, an export, and that they were being um, not forced necessarily, but uh, in, in a way indentured labor to work in the salt mines. Um, and of course, like the political economy elsewhere in the world, people in their own in, indigenous settings often can't afford the crops or the foods, or the staples that they are growing for cash crops or export, like coffee and sugar or bananas, and they become so expensive that they can't actually even afford those crops themselves, and salt being the case. And so Gandhi marched in protest. And along the way, he visited towns along the railways and uh, picked up followers, and uh, eventually, I, I believe, just marched on foot. And um, upwards of a million people or more, um, please don't quote me on the actual facts, because I'm not quoting here from... Uh, any reputable sources at the moment. I'm just telling the general story of the, you know the salt march, but it was not something that was traditionally politically organized in the sense of getting into a town square and getting volunteers and sending out pamphlets and that kind of thing. It was his voice and his actions that inspired people to follow him uh, and his his. Um,
jumped right in Took no time for reckoning Tortured picture we became Tried to step out of the frame Time only knows When the healing comes again Were we suffering blows Was it necessary pain When you said love I thought forever When you said stay I thought together When you said baby I was your new lover well, I apologize for that. Uh, it, my uh, studio here had a little bit of a glitch. Um, but just going back to that previous uh, thread of thought there, um, talking about um, self-responsibility and uh, how that relates to being in integrity. And in the previous program, we're talking about how we can um, really see the world as something happening to us and have a sense of being a victim. And this sets us up for a sort of a retaliatory relationship to experience, that uh, that life is happening to us and, uh, you know, we have no control over it. And um, thus, um, we develop this sort of bunker mentality. And so, you know, Gandhi's approach teaches something very different, <clears throat> uh, which is that, um, we have to own and be responsible for and um, really commit ourselves to, <clears throat> pardon me, what we really stand for. And that makes us do some, uh, you know, deeper self-inquiry about what values are really important to us. And that's what Gandhi was really doing, was embodying his core values in a way that he put himself on the line and literally to the point where he was um, beaten, he was imprisoned, he went on a hunger strike, and that is, you know, not the level of, of dedication that most of us are willing to go to. But we, uh, most of us at some level will um, feel that level of love or commitment, um, dedication to uh, our families or our spouses or our children, where, or even our pets who are part of our families um, and friends, that uh, we would put ourselves on the line, you know, even our lives on the line, uh, if not only our reputations, to defend and protect um, those that we love. And so when we start with ourselves, then we build that outwards. And this is really creating a, a more enlightened uh, community and society that uh, we are empowered individuals who are connected to our sense of uh, core value in the world and um, the uh, society thus can become interdependent based on people acting from autonomy and self-interest, but not self-interest in a selfish way, but, I mean, self-interest in an empowered way. And this is an antidote, um, psychologically speaking, to the victim-child mentality, and politically speaking to... Oh, sorry, loud sound out here in the studio. Uh, politically speaking um, to, again, special interests or, um, you know, the competition for uh, political power, as you can see it in both spheres of influence. And so, you know, how does this show up in our lives? Well, you know, on a personal level, we can look at this in terms of our interpersonal dynamics and, and, and communication with people and conflict resolution. For example, if you want to have more peaceful communication in your life, if you want to have less rancorous, you know, um, interactions with people and 
um, have nonviolent communication and conflict resolution, all those things, it requires of us to look at ourselves and say, well, how are we contributing to the situation? How can we look at ourselves and say that we're part of this and how are we inflaming the situation? How are we coming in with a sense of entitlement or in, or um, righteous indignation and, and or self-righteousness? Rather than exploring the issue in terms of our relationship with the other person and where we may be contributing to the problem or misunderstanding or we may be coming in with impatience or preconceived notions or expectations that pressure the situation, don't allow it, don't allow, as I said in the last program, for space to occur out of which the naturally occurring um, solutions can, can arise. So that's one example is to look at uh, interpersonal communication. You know, another, and and then we can extend outward from there in terms of social values or our um, ecological footprint, all of these areas of our lives. But as far as I'm addressing today, I'm really looking at it on the personal level in terms of our interactions and our behaviors. And there's a part of us that uh, does not want to look at our most undesirable behaviors and thus actions. And to paraphrase from Gandhi again, um, and you can look this quote up if you want the exact wording, but the essence of this of this uh, principle from Gandhi is that thoughts become words, words become actions. I think it's actually thoughts become words, words become values, values become actions, and so on and so forth. And so you can see how our society is made up of um, really originating from our internal belief systems, our relationship to experience, and um, our own personal baggage, etc. And we construct these values and then take action on those, and those become belief systems externally. So it cuts right through the heart of political discourse, social discourse, and it comes down to a human level of relating to other beings and relating to our world from a place of uh, integrity in terms of how we are actually living, how we are functioning, whether we are actually walking our walk and talking our talk, or whether we're expecting of others to do things that we're not doing ourselves. And this certainly comes into play in, for lack of a better term, romantic relationships or intimate relationships of any kind, where in our partners or spouses, we are already, without knowing it, engaging the situation from a kind of entitlement that we are due this correct behavior from the other person. But we really have no right to demand of others what we are not bringing to the situation ourselves in terms of integrity. So I'll probably happy, perhaps end of the show there today. Um, there's a lot of food for thought about embodying leadership and change, and I'll continue this discussion uh, on subsequent shows and perhaps bring a guest in to talk about um, these issues and, and points uh, from a different perspective or from a more unique particular um you know role model or example um and always looking for your feedback um always 
welcoming you to, to take part in the show and uh, to call in or join in the chat forum and uh, participate and join the discussion on this or any other topic. You've been listening to The Mind Whisper here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Michael Gordon. It's been a pleasure to host you today. I hope you have a great day, wherever you are. And we'll see you next time on the show. Please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Mind Whisperer. Till then, take care, and we'll talk to you next time.